Hello, Memphis, and welcome to Storyboard 30, taken right out of the pages of the monthly print journal that you now know as Storyboard Memphis. Storyboard 30 brings some of the same Memphis personalities and shapers right here into the WYPL studios for 30 minutes of talk to hear about their passions, their initiatives, or to just talk a little bit about what makes Memphis Memphis. On acoustic guitar just now uh, for our show intro is our friend Jeff Hewlett. Jeff is a regular contributor to Storyboard Memphis and plays regularly with his friend Leah Keys and their duo Leah and Me. And I am Mark Fleischer, publisher of Storyboard Memphis and your host for the next half hour of Storyboard 30. Now, this is our first show, our inaugural show of Storyboard 30. I was thinking about setting up this show and I couldn't help but think about when David Letterman unveiled his late night show in 1982, his first guest was Bill Murray. And uh, having Bill Murray on that evening's show kind of set the tone for late night, but it also set the bar pretty high for the new show. The show could either collapse (laughs) under the weight of that show or or use that to kind of that high bar to, to launch a pretty successful run with late night and later the late show. Well, I am no David Letterman. And my first guest is not Bill Murray. However, my first guest presence here today has certainly set the bar pretty high as far as it can get here in Memphis for a brand new show. So like late night, my show can either collapse under the weight of my uh, first guest or this show can uh, establish a pretty good uh, foundation. So, of course, my hope is that we're establishing a good foundation with this, my first guest here. So my first guest, he has been... Everything from a high school sports public address announcer to a baseball coach. He worked in the press box for legendary coach Bear Bryant's last football game at the Liberty Bowl in 1982. More recently, my guest is known for roaming around downtown a little bit with a few dozen folks in tow listening to every word he says. He checks the river gauges daily and updates the water levels. Uh, He's been known to hang out with a few ducks and master the ducks at the Peabody Hotel. Former commercial appeal columnist David Waters once said that this man is the Google of Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> Go Ogle. Go Ogle. That's right. So with that introduction, it can be none other than a true living Memphis legend, <laughs> Mr. Jimmy Ogle. Jimmy, welcome to Storyboard 30. Well, thank you very much. I hope I don't collapse under the weight of Bill Murray. <laughs> uh, you know, later on, David Letterman wised up and had Jerry Lawler on in the famous uh, the Andy Kaufman deal. And they, they play that at Lawler's <laughs> Restaurant down there. It's great TV. Lawler's awesome. Uh-huh. So thank you for having me. I'm honored to be the first guest. I am honored to have you, believe me. So for those who out there who don't know who Jimmy Ogle is, I can't imagine who does not know who he is, what would you give yourself as a title? Memphian. Memphian. Yeah, lifelong Memphian. When mm-hmm. I, I, my short introduction is lifelong Memphian Shelby County historian, on-call duckmaster. On-call duckmaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on-call duckmaster now, so that's kind of how I say it now. Mm-hmm. And just recently I ceased to be the Shelby County historian as, as of yesterday. <laughs> right. <laughs> really, you know, and that's okay. It's a part of the succession plan, and we have a very capable new replacement, and it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Tell uh, listeners, for, do- for those who don't know, what all do you do? I talk a lot. Last year, I gave about 250 free talks and tours around Memphis to anybody who would listen, particularly the senior living centers, uh, (laughs) the PowerPoint presentations. I can go do one general historic Memphis to modern Memphis presentation, then come back 
once a month for two years without repeating myself on mm-hmm. the backstories of music or medicine or civil rights or civil war, streets, bridges, talk, whatever, buildings. So it's good free programming for a lot of places, Kirby Pines, Memphis Jewish Community Center, uh, uh, Brookdale, uh, Ave Maria Home, I just uh, all around. There's a whole circuit that we can go to. And, and people need good programming. And talking about Memphis is a great thing because you learn a lot at these places yeah. from these seniors who are a little bit 20, 30 years ahead of you telling you about things in Memphis. And then get to go to schools a lot. Then have about 50 to 70 free walking tours in downtown Memphis and other parts of town. So it keeps me pretty busy doing that. I used to do things like keep the score clock at FedEx Forum for the Tiger basketball team and the Grizzlies and the Pyramid and things like that and do calligraphy and golf tournaments around the country and, you know, and been on seven different historical boards in the last five years, like West Tennessee Historical Society, Davies Manor Association, uh, Citizens to Preserve Olden Park, Remember Liberty Land. We didn't save it. We remembered Liberty Land after Remember that, <laughs> and various things like that, and been involved in community that way. So I've got plenty to do, and have a. I'm the luckiest guy there is in Memphis, uh, I think, and uh, very fortunate to be able to have good health, good mind for interest and in looking for things, and an ability to talk about it and retain the information. Because mm-hmm. I'm a no notes guy. It uh, gets me in trouble with some people sometimes. I've, I've tried to put together some notes for some people because they try to take notes during my talks, and I talk too fast. I said, i got ten pages I'll send you, just all these numbers and everything. So just a lucky guy. I guess I'll walk and talk a lot, and soon I'll be moving out of town to be near grandchildren, you know. I want to get to that in a okay. second. I want to talk about some of the things you got going on. Sure. You've got the lecture series at uh, Pink, Pink Palace. Palace. Uh-huh. That's run th- running through March 14th. That's 12 lecture series. We're very fortunate. Pink Palace has come up with some sponsors like Phyllis Peterson and Vincent Astor and Erickson Group, Communities and Conversation Series. And that's going to be that's being recorded and post-produced by Willie Bearden for free public access in the libraries. That'll be 12 hours uh-huh. of topics about Memphis frozen in 2019. And we're going to do the same thing this summer with the Downtown Memphis Commission in downtown. We'll get the angle of the noon sun right. And uh, you'll have a bunch of shadows downtown and get the best pictures of downtown with me and Willie. And uh, this is a way to digitize me for the future. You know, we did this in the 1890s. Somebody took pictures of the riverfront or Cotton Row, and we use them in the free public access. And somebody right. did it in the 1930s. Don Newman carried around a 80-pound tripod and a 25-pound camera and took those great images, you know. But that's what we use. And the Dig Memphis here in the library system has those in free public access for people like you and Willie and other people to use for their books and Wayne Dowdy and the great resources of Memphis and Shelby County Room. That's what this is all about. Oh, yeah. So it's my bicentennial gift to Memphis, me and Willie. We're kind of doing that now, and that's a lot of fun. And I heard that they are virtually oversold or sold out. Well, they're not sold because we didn't sell, but they they had a ticketing system, and and we kind of laughed. We went in the old mansion theater. It holds about 120 permanent seatings. There's a flat space below, and so about a week before the – and we only started this uh, two weeks before, and they announced it. Big story in the newspaper. It didn't hurt any uh-huh. <laughs> either. All the seats were taken before the first show. That's almost 2,000 seats. Right. They added 40 more seats for the, a ticketing system there. And there's people coming in at 1030 or so getting on a waiting list waiting for the noon show. I'm really <laughs> amazed by that. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's a, you know and, and anytime you have a free ticket situation, there's always some attrition, some no-shows. And right. uh, so we've been able to get everybody in. So uh, we feel good about that. And hopefully we can – do another series or do an encore or something. And there'll be some other times back in, in May and in the summer, I'll be back in town for several things that I've had long-term commitments to or standing commitments over the year I don't want to give up, like Elmwood Cemetery. Uh-huh. And we had, to, I had two tours scheduled there for April 6th. They sold out. And those are sellouts. Those are fundraisers for Elmwood. So they put on another one. It sold out. Everybody got mad at her. She put on a fourth one. 
that day. Everybody got mad at her. Now there's a fifth lecture that night at 7 o'clock. So I'm starting at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to spend 10 hours doing what talking about things. And then probably come back in July and add another three more. And that will raise a lot of money for Elmwood Cemetery there. So I enjoy doing things like that. And there will be other ways. Uh, Memphis and May now has them up on their website. We're going to be doing the, the educational program for Memphis in May this year. Since they're honoring Memphis as mm-hmm. the foreign country, well, mm-hmm. you usually bring somebody in from the foreign country to talk about that foreign country. So I'm <laughs> You're going to come back uh, for that. I'm going to help do that. Warren Perry uh, and I help write the curriculum for the school guide. So it will be 20 different appearances over a two-week period of time. And then yeah. on the weekends, March, May 4th, 11th, and 18th, it's on my website already. I'll be doing some outdoor walking tours in downtown Memphis, like the Union Avenue tour and the Court Square tour. Away from the Memphis and May Tom Lee Park events, you know, uh, so it won't conflict with the traffic down there, and that'll get under the Memphis May umbrella. There's six public more public events, so I'll end up doing about 35 appearances for Memphis and May in three weeks. Uh, the Mar- May 6th, Monday night, May 6th, 7 o'clock, here at the Memphis and Shelby County Room. Uh, All Roads Led to Memphis will be the topic uh, for the West Tennessee Historical Society, and I'll be talking here that night. What is your website specifically? JimmyOgle.com. That's my name, very dot com. I've been having it there for about 10 years. A friend of mine, Martin Ars, came to me, wanted me to be on Facebook. I said, uh-uh, I'm not doing that stuff. And our good friend, Buddy McEwen, had passed away, the longtime golf pro at Davy Crockett Golf Course. Martin had done his website, the only golf course in Memphis at the time to have a website in the early 2000s. So he picked me up. I sent him a Word document once a month and a p- couple of pictures, and he does the rest. Uh-huh. He's been doing it for 10 years for peanuts and T-shirts. For peanuts See, and T-shirts. Peanuts and T-shirts. Any other swag. He gets some coffee cups and thumb drives and umbrellas every now and then. But swag I get, I share with him. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him the gift. You know, I, it's all great relationship. My whole philosophy, I'm a home mission. This is a home mission. My history talks are. It's not. I don't do it for money or anything. And right. Yeah, there are honorariums here or there, but uh, there are other people out there trying to make money that do a great job. Around mm-hmm. this, you've been you have interviewed before, or had in the storyboard, or right. you know the Tad Pearsons and the Rockabilly Rides and the Lane Turners and uh, uh, Blue City Tours. There's a bunch of folks out out there doing it already as professional tour services, backbeat tours. Bill Patton came to town what, ten years ago as a lawyer from Washington D.C. to say, "Well, I want to do tours in Memphis." Wrote a book, went on a lot of my tours and wrote a book. I said, "That sounds a lot like my stuff." I got credit for it. We're good <laughs> friends, you know. The, you know, the downtown Memphis walking game. But that's 10 years ago. Look how out of date that is now with all the things that have happened in the last 10 oh, years. Yeah. So yeah. we're constantly having to update our history, regardless of what happened in the 19th century or 20th century. Things are moving fast right now, and that's the fun part about doing it, is keeping yeah. up with it. So you've got the, you're still doing the downtown tours you mentioned. You're still duck master duties? Is on that call. I'll march, on call. Let's see, March 9th, March 17th, and March 30th in March, I'll be the duck master. And every day at 1130, there's a history tour of the Peabody Hotel. $10 the duck master gives every day of the week, whoever's a duck master. Okay. Doug Weatherford's our duck master now five days a week. Ducks march seven days a week, obviously. <laughs> Humans don't work seven days a week. So that has to be backup. And I'm fortunate to be able to do that and give mm-hmm. the history tour. It's one of the best tours you can ever take. And when you get on that roof of the Peabody Hotel, after you've gone through all the features of the hotel, Shea Philippe, Lansky Brothers, Continental Ballroom, the history memorabilia room, then you get the Skyway room, then you get on the roof, and you can see 10 things that changed the world from that roof up there from the Peabody Hotel. Wow, wow. It's just amazing. Yeah. But yeah. That's the center of the known universe is what we say. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're also filling in for Earl Farrell. 
on the Four Memphis show? Recently, right now. Recently. This is February. He went in for a, a – not planned exactly, but uh, it wasn't an emergency going into the hospital. To, and he had bypass surgery a couple of weeks ago. And so I filled in for him. But I was, in fact, the first guest on his show back in May of 2010. So uh-huh. this is my second show to be a first guest on. <laughs> so I got the go. opportunity. Well, he was going to be gone one day. Can you be the guest host? I never had guest host at a radio station, but somehow worked my way through it. So I was, Between me and Ken Hall, I think you can say we filled in for Earl when he's been – obligated somewhere else or vacation or sick and uh, i've done it 75 or 80 times and now this is two weeks in a row it's, it's a push but it's fun working with george bryan out there at kwam one of the older radio stations you know kwem and they played early elvis and carl perkins and johnny cash and uh-huh. all the rockabilly in the 50s we have great radio stations here whbq wda whr we're getting ready to do a historical mark with this august for whher down at 982 south third where it was in the third holiday and ever Really? Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's the first all-female radio station in the world. Not only did we break the color bearing radio in 1948 in Memphis, Tennessee with WDIA, the first all-black-formatted radio station, we broke the gender barrier in our country in 1955. Little old Memphis, Tennessee, <laughs> when we're doing the rock and roll music and the soul music in this segregated city at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a tough mm-hmm. city. But we're doing pioneering things uh, under the radar. Blacks and whites working together in studios when they couldn't eat at a lunch counter mm-hmm. together, making the greatest music in the world. Mm-hmm. That's the story of Memphis in the 1950s, you know? Yeah. And that's a fun story to tell. And that's right down to where Calvary Union Mission is now Mm -hmm. at 960, a brand-new facility there, on the site where Elvis used to sing at First Assembly of God Church as a youngster there. And that Uh building is still there. Part of the Holiday Inn swimming pool is still there, the third Holiday Inn ever. Go back to where that was again? 982 South 3rd Street, right past Crump, down on the left. Oh, right okay. before you get no, to John Gaston Community Center. Okay. Right in there. And you'll see the Calvary Union Mission, the new sign and building. We found, and they've already approved the site. We're going to get the wording approved next month and have the marker installed during Elvis Week in August, <laughs> roughly around the uh-huh. same time that we'll be doing the suffrage memorial for, for Memphis and Shelby County, Paula Casey's effort, uh, the 100th anniversary, when Tennessee put that last vote in, the perfect 36, uh, for women to get the right to vote. It was Tennessee that cast that last vote, and Paula's been working on that for a long time. I'll uh, couch myself in Memphis in August for a couple of weeks here. And, gotcha. Uh, Are you going to be gone for good? And you just answered that question. Yeah, I just died mm-hmm. yesterday. You're talking to me. I'm just a spirit right now. I, you know, nobody's ever – I tell people right now, I get kind of angry about it. Not angry. Yeah, you see me getting angry. Uh, nobody's ever knocked on my door at home and asked me a question. They never walked up to my physical address and asked me a question. They've called me on the cell phone mm-hmm. or got me on the Internet. And I think they have Internet and cell phones in Knoxville, about the same speed as in Memphis. So, you know, 99% of the people contacting me are going to get me the exact same way if they try. That's all. All you got to do is try. Yep. Now, will I be able to come out and do as many talks and tours like I do? No. But can I come back? I've been commuting to Knoxville for 35 years, four or five times a year. So why stop now? So yeah. I can yeah. just reverse that commute. Living there now, being around a 10-year-old and 6-year-old grandchildren, my son has a great business. Mm-hmm. I want them to be there. I want to be there yeah. with him. My daddy was from Etowah. My mother was from Bristol. I went to Grandma's house a lot up in that area of the country. Beautiful. This state is so beautiful from one end to the other. As you drive it yeah, back in 1982, yeah. I had to coordinate a football toss from Memphis to Knoxville, nine days for John Malmo to the World's Fair. I learned Highway 70 and triple mileage real good at five miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, and 80 miles an hour. And nine different football teams from nine different cities across the state tossed uh-huh. that football, world's longest forward pass. Just one of the many <laughs> things I've got involved in my life. And so I have a real appreciation for – and Highway 70 is the Broadway of America. It's the Bristol Highway, the first state highway in this state. And the first highway to connect San Diego and New York City coming across those bridges. So it's a great highway. Mm-hmm. It took two days to get to Grandma's house behind all those trucks before the expressway over in Bristol. Bristol's closer to Canada than it is to Memphis. 
Think about that. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> At the top of the state up there. So uh, I'll be coming back scheduled several times here, and I'm let people know in advance, and I'll couch other things around it at least for this year up through Labor Day, and we'll just see what goes for 2020. I know I'm coming back November the 6th, 1919. Hopefully have, have about 1934 on the signs. I know I'm coming back October the 10th, 2020, for the t- second 2020, 10-hour second tour on 1010, on which 10-10. is in 2020 <laughs> downtown. We did the first one on 1010, 2015. Uh-huh. We stepped off at, on the 10th minute of the 10th hour of the 10th day of the 10th month and walked 10 hours. Wouldn't that be what you do? No lunch. <laughs> and talked about downtown Memphis on the riverfront. Uh-huh. So I know I'm back 10-10-2020. 10-10-2020. Book it. I can remember that November date. 6, 19, 2019, let's say. 2019. At 11.06. See, 6th day, 11th, 6th hour, 6th minute, 11th hour, 6th day, 11th month. Got 1106 it. 11.06 on 11.06. 11.06, 11.06. Got it? Got it. Numbers. You also just took on a high water riverboat tour because of the the height of the well. That the was the, the last year I did a high water tour with the Corps of Engineers. The Mississippi River Commission was in town. They were mm-hmm. put in place like in the eighteen eighties. To you know, there's ten states that abut the Mississippi River, trying to learn how you can't control the Mississippi River but only accommodate her, and that's the central ocean of, of this whole country. Let's say forty one percent of continental North America. 31 states and two provinces of Canada drain through here. It's just an amazing 250 tributaries, what drains between the Rockies and the Smokies, and all the, uh, you know, we say river, railways, roadways, runways about Memphis, where the number two inland port on the Mississippi River, or one of three cities with all five class one freight rail operators, where, uh, where I-40 and I-55 cross in West Memphis is the third largest center of trucking activity. And then, of course, the airport's number one in cargo for the last 35 years in the country. So transportation, distribution, logistics is our number one employer here. It all starts with the river, those cobblestones that were laid in the end of the 19th century, then the railroad that everybody hates that comes through the middle of East Memphis in 1857. That's what saved Memphis. The cobblestones in right. that railroad saved right. Memphis from being burned up in the Civil War because mm-hmm. the Union wanted to get it as a strategic port. Mm-hmm. It was a sanctuary city. We didn't have that term. We doubled our population during that time. Mm-hmm. The untold story of Memphis in the Civil War is a better story than fighting about statues, I guarantee you, uh-huh. and how our city was saved under martial law. We housed over 7,000 wounded Union soldiers, and first Tennessee Bank opened here because business was so good, the 14th oldest bank charter in America. Mm-hmm. Not a single building burned in the Civil War in Memphis, but it was a munitions town and a supply town. Yeah. So the river was so important between the hardwood and the cotton and the, now the rice, the things that happened here in the center of the country, the transportation coming together, the bridges crossing early. Uh, the Mississippi River Commission has a high-water inspection and a low-water inspection every year at those times of the year, and they meet with stakeholders along the river all the way from St. Paul down to New Orleans, and like Cape mm-hmm. Girardeau and New Madrid and Greenville. Yeah. And they come to Memphis and listen to the people about the levees and the wetlands and the drainage and uh, ecology and environmental concerns and you know channelization, all these issues with rivers and everything. Like the Wolf River starts in Holly Springs, goes 108 miles. It was a dead river in the 1975s because of all the industry. And the Wolf River Conservancy got formed and cleaned it mm-hmm. up pretty good, didn't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of life on that. Uh, Wolf River, both on the water and on the land and the trail by it. Right. Hatchie River starts way over in Mississippi and comes around. One of the, one of the largest unchannelized rivers, uh, mostly unchannelized, untouched by man in our state for sure, and right, probably the whole south when mm-hmm. you think about the Hatchie River. Yeah. So we've got some great tributaries going to that mighty Mississippi, which fluctuates 40 feet during the course of the year. It used to flood 35 miles to the west before we had levees. 
when DeSoto got here, he thought he discovered the Pacific Ocean because all he could see was water. Uh-huh. <laughs> they thought, thought the Ohio River flowed to the Gulf of California, not the Gulf of Mexico. So they have a very important job to do with all the economy that's based on the river, the flooding. Um, you know, this last flood we had in 2011, we only displaced, uh, what, 500 people. That's 2% of 1% of 1% of the population. That's minuscule compared yeah. to the 27 and 37 floods before right. we had some of the controls in and flood walls. Don't build in a floodplain, for one thing. You know? yeah, yeah. That helps. Don't put those trailer parks in those floodplains. They won't get flooded. So just reasonable <laughs> things occurring like that, preparation. Uh, I know right like this past week, they just took the transformers out of Tom Lee Park because they're set kind of low on the riverside so they wouldn't be in sight lines going through. Uh-huh. You've got to pull them like at uh, 34 on the river gauge, pull them up. So the water's coming up to 41 at least. So those pads will be underwater. You want to protect those transformers. I think David Waters was not correct. <laughs> he, said, he said Google. I think more like the almanac. Well, I'm going to sue him because that really is Go Ogle. Go Ogle. You've got to get that right. That's Go Ogle, not Google. You're not pronouncing it. Go Ogle. That's right. Yeah. Go Ogle. Um, so I want to remind everybody that we're uh, listening to Storyboard 30 on FM 89.3 WYPL, and you are listening to uh, Jimmy Ogle. This is Mark Fleischer, your host. So it goes without saying you're pretty passionate about Memphis, I would say. Passionate about talking about Memphis. That's, talking about Memphis. <laughs> um, the difference. Let's take you back a little bit. Where would you say these these passions started? At the Memphis Park Commission, 1979. I mean, yeah, uh-huh. as a kid, as a boy, I lived at Walnut Grove, Goodland area, and I was equidistant between Laurelwood, Summer Center, and Poplar Plaza shopping centers in High Point Terrace. I was just riding the bike around all the time, just uh-huh. curious as I could be. Mm-hmm. Simple time, leave the bike on the front doorstep, the basketball in the driveway, you know. Uh-huh. But I got to the Park Commission in 80, uh, 79 and was a special event supervisor in all the playgrounds and right. community centers and day camp programs, 100 programs. You know, the Bicycle Derby, the Safety Song and Speech Contest. So you find where every park and playground is in this community. There's over 4,000 acres, one of the largest systems in the country. Mm-hmm. And I learned it that way. And a gentleman by the name of Bob Schuyler, who has been around the Park Commission like 30 years, started telling me stories about the origins of Overton Park and other places. Gerald McKinney, Glenn Campbell, Mike Ort, uh, Ali Prescott finally promoted me up to deputy director in, in, in eighty. Four sides over all the parks in the zoo and the Pink Palace and the football stadium, the golf courses, amazing. I'm 32 years old. I'm just living the dream. I'm in oh, Disneyland yeah. every day. And and then in 85, got sent to Mud Island as interim general manager, mm-hmm. which got me involved downtown. And then I became general manager in 85. And then, uh, let's see, 93, went to Memphis Queen Line Riverboats. And then uh, 98, Bill Street. And then 2000, the Memphis Smithsonian Institution called me to be the director of the Memphis Rock and Soul Museum. How can you turn that down and, yeah. and open that in the old Gibson Guitar Factory and learned a lot about music there? So every stop I've been at, I've had to represent an organization that talked about our city's history or information and just learn those things like the back of your hand. And just everything I've done, you know, even working for Erickson Group and marketing with casinos and arenas around the country. And, of course, I did the score clock. At the Coliseum Pyramid FedEx Forum, got flown around the country as by the NBA as a neutral timekeeper in the playoffs just to start and stop the clock. Hello. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I write nice golf scoring letters. I got flown around the country by the American Junior. I got flown from Wenatchee, Washington, to Danbury, Connecticut, to Hilton Head, to St. Peter's. And I'm a tourist half a day in those cities while I do calligraphy in the afternoon, you know. So I've been very fortunate to do things like that. And then when they started building Bill Street Landing to revive that riverboat overnight passenger industry that was defunct from 2008 to 2011. Our city got that back in business. Mm-hmm. The American Queen, the first one, the biggest boat ever built. I wanted to get involved with that right after that 2011 flood. 
I've been uh-huh. down on the riverfront talking. Commercial people called me a raconteur for being there. But nobody was down there giving the true history yeah. about the, when the bridges were built or what this would be. And some people didn't even know we had restaurants downtown. They've been downtown in 20 years, you know. So we got inv- I got involved as the dock master. <laughs> there uh-huh. before I became the duck master at the Peabody Hotel. And, you know, now there's five different boats coming in from two different companies, over 25,000 people coming in out of Memphis. Through Bill Street Landing, that's a $42 million annual economic impact for our city. When you think about the room nights, the restaurants, the attractions, the cabs, the Ubers, the buses, uh, the fuel they take on here, the thousand boxes of goods and supplies, the employment, mm-hmm. it's an amazing economic impact. It gets totally under the radar when you fuss yeah. about things that go on in Memphis. Uh, that's right. a good story right there. What hospital were you born in? People ask me questions like oh, I that. I think it was either Methodist or Baptist. I can't remember right now. <laughs> and what high school? Uh, Memphis University School. I actually went to PDS right over here in, the, in 1964. I was an upset winner of the spelling bee. <laughs> and my parents didn't believe me. They sent me to my room without dinner that night. And I, and I had I got a steak dinner the next night. But it's the last academic achievement of my life, for sure. <laughs> I was a terrible student. I talked too much, get in trouble all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was an all-state basketball player in high school at MUS back in 1970 for Coach Peters, who won his 100th game. Uh-huh. He won a thousand, his thousandth later on. Went to Southwestern. I scored 29 points in a basketball game in 1971. It's a freshman. This is four three-pointers. I'm a little guy. No freshman has scored 29 points since in 48 years. I hold a record there. There you go. At Rhodes. <laughs> Unfortunately, that 29 was higher than my GPA. <laughs> so I was on the 10-year plan and got a Parks and Recreation degree from – I had one history class in my life. That's Dr. Crawford at Memphis State in 1973, American History. He's still teaching that class. Now, he's done a lot for history, and the oral histories he did in the 80s and 90s, like out in Cordova and stuff like that. Right. That Darlene Sawyer made a book out of, you know, Forgotten Flowers, Farms, and Fellowship in Cordova. It's just amazing. we got to do more of what you're doing right now. That's why I'm here today in support of you is this, this and what Willie's doing with me and the Pink Palace and Downtown Memphis Commission, these oral histories, getting things cataloged, digitized now. Because yeah, yeah. paper is kind of in a tough situation. Right. But digitization is the way of the future, and anybody can access that. And, yes, somebody can transcribe this on the paper, too. They really have to have it in paper. When did you start the downtown tours? Back in 2008, I was uh, working at Erickson Group. I had a little itch to get out and do that on lunch hour or weekends. And I went to the Center City Commission, Leslie Gower, and said, your downtown Memphis program has just music and dance. I want to do a walking tour. I'll do it for free. I'll go over here and stand at Confederate Park and talk about the river for 30 minutes. I bet you'll have 30 or 40 people. Uh-huh. I'll do it for free. All you got to do is promote me. Uh-huh. And she says, no, we're going to stick with the music and dance. I said, I'll do it for free. I live uh-huh. downtown. Come on. I got experience. <laughs> How about the river boats? The family built those boats from scratch in their backyard. You, we can toot the horn. We can crawl in the boiler room. We can trip on the old historic cobblestones like we always know. So I lived downtown for 20 years. I've been walking around the streets at night. I started noticing the manhole covers. I took pictures and did comparative things for yeah. the art exhibit. Mm-hmm. Art in the gutter was going to be the art exhibit. It's still now 20 years in the making, by the way, almost. <laughs> and there's over 2,000 manhole covers in downtown Memphis, but it's 158 different kinds, three different shapes, seven different usages, round, square, rectangular, gas, plumbing, electric, storm drain, sewer, traffic signal, telephone. 37 ways you can say Memphis in a manhole cover by the shape of the font. 14 different generations of electrical manhole covers. Covers. Some are over 100 years old, some weigh over 100 pounds. She said yes to the manhole cover tour. I didn't have a tour. We couldn't walk all over downtown in 45 minutes at lunchtime, so I picked Union Avenue from Riverside to Peabody. Uh-huh. Came back to the next day, said, how about the great Union Avenue manhole cover and history tour? She <laughs> booked it, said, put it on your website. You can't tell me what to say. You can't pay me. If I have more people than you do, I'll give you 10 more tours, and you've got to promote me. I was looking for somebody to promote. I had no promotional vehicle. Mm-hmm. Well, they put it on their website, and the commercial appeal called Linda Moore, 
you're not taking people down in the manholes, are you? Said, no, that's against the law, and I'd never do anything against the law. Somebody else's you know, manhole covers weigh 100 pounds. Somebody might get hurt. Somebody might get dirty. Somebody might get stuck. So, no, just come out, and I'll show you what we're going to do. They brought a photographer, four big pictures in the paper the next day. The next day, 91 people on the tour and two TV stations outdrew her program. But I had to give her 10 more tours, like Beale Street and Court Square and Pinch District, and that's how it started. Yeah. And then University of Memphis asked me to do it as a continuing education course. So I had to get a laptop and a scanner yeah. for classroom sessions and walking sessions, 15 hours. And uh, that's how it all – and then people wanted me to talk at luncheons and dinners and breakfasts and senior homes and schools right, and all that. Right. So it just grew. They asked me to be on the Historical Commission in 2011, asked me to be chairman in 2012. Ed Williams passes away, the historian, in 2013. I get voted as Shelby County Historian 2014. It's pretty quick. There we go. Five years ago, you know. We'll have more with Jimmy next week and next time. So we've been talking with Jimmy Ogle, Memphis legend and historian here on Storyboard 30. So that is all the time we have for this broadcast. Jimmy will be joining us next time. Thank you to our intrepid producer over there, Vance Durbin, who kept us down to roughly about 30 minutes. And uh, I want to also thank Tommy Warren, who um, gave me this gig. Uh, here at uh, WYPL 89.3. And I also want to thank the Memphis Public Libraries for their support. And to you listeners, from here in Memphis to the greater Mid-South and well beyond, thank you for listening in. Uh, we hope you, that you join us next time on Storyboard 30 for more stories, more ideas with those Memphis personalities and shapers who make our lives here in the Bluff City just a little bit better. Memphis, make it a great week. <laughs> <laughs>